appreciate the opportunity to be here these days. My heart has been helped and fed, and uh, man, to hear Brother Finney and Brother McBride has been a real help to me these days. I was up late last night, and uh, you preachers know sometimes it's hard to turn the it's hard to turn your mind off. And uh, man, that uh, that statement Brother Brian made last night, he said uh, about saying yes to the Spirit first. He said, "What's right in our life is what we've said yes to the Spirit about." Wow. Most of us and all, I mean, I've been guilty. We, we won't say no to the flesh. But there'll be no saying no to the flesh without the Spirit. Ah, that helped me. Yes, sir. That, that just pondering that, because that yes to the Spirit is the Spirit that'll help you say no to the flesh. Amen. Ah, that helped me. Then Brother Adam singing that, uh, he didn't throw the clay away. The other statement he made last night, he said, when you start mixing faith and works, we start judging one another. You know what will help you be patient with somebody else is when you realize just how patient he's been with you. Amen. Sometimes, y'all, can I confess for a minute? Sometimes pastors you get frustrated with people. Amen. But the Lord's got a way of reminding me that he could have been real frustrated with me along the way. And he put some patience and he, he uh, we ride horses around the house at, or used to years ago. And I'm glad we've got a bit in our mouth that he can check us. And I tell you though, you get a real good broke horse, you don't even have to, you don't even have to pull the reins. Just a little pressure inside of your light leg on the side of that big animal. That little bit of pressure tells that big, that big strong animal where to go. And I want to get to the place where he ain't got a he ain't got a jerk on the bit. Matter of fact, they used to have what they call saw bits that had a that had a break in the middle, and when you were really working on a, with a, a rebellious animal, it would you would pull down and it would dig those it would dig those teeth down into his gum, and cause him to submit. But that's one that wasn't submissive, but one that's really broke. You just put a little pressure. Amen. Man, I, I'm telling you, it's a blessing when you go home and the, the Holy Ghost goes to preaching to you what the men of God preach to you. It's a real blessing. Those, those statements have stood out to me. And, man, I, I praise the Lord. I mean, what, what Brother Finney said yesterday to close the, close the service. Mm. My, my prayer's always been, Doug, what he's talking about, those, those crossroad moments. Our prayers being for camp and the youth meeting is Lord give us a meeting that impacts eternity. Yes, sir. Amen. I, want, I want lives to be different. Not just to say we had a crowd and had a high. I, I don't want a glory in our glory. I, I mean, I like, listen, I'm wired to like it high. I, I, don't, I, I don't apologize for that. I mean, that's how he made me. But I, I don't want to just be satisfied with a a good, high, glorious meeting. I, I want those young people that come in those doors to walk out and have had some kind of confrontation with the God of heaven 
that will alter the direction of their life for years to come. I tell them at camp, I said, I'm not just interested in this week. I'm interested in 15 years down the road. If I ever get to come to your church, I want to see you teaching the Sunday school classes, running the bus routes, leading the choir, being the youth director. That, that's, what I'm, that's what I want to see. And uh, man, I, to know that God worked in people's lives like that yesterday, what a blessing. I think that ought to be the goal for all of us, that God, is, God just change lives. Because we're, we know we can't do it. We can't do it. But I'm sure, certainly glad we can serve a God who can. Amen. Brother Doug, thank you for everything. The host, man, I, you men, I would say this on the road, you go very few places that show the kind of hospitality and kindness that, that the Progress Baptist Church does. From the moment you walk through the door, there's some, and I mean, from the time you leave, and I want to say to the church, thank you for your kindness, hospitality, your goodness, and then preacher, just the opportunity to be here is a real blessing. Matthew chapter 17, and uh, we'll try to share with you my thought this morning that God's got on my heart. Matthew 17, let's stand together. We'll read just a couple of verses and ask the Lord to help us. Bible said in verse 1, After six days Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them into a high mountain apart to pray. And was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Behold, there appeared unto him Moses and Elias talking with him, then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Well, I felt like that all week long. Amen. It's, it's just good for us to be here. If thou wilt let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. <clears throat> and when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not, uh, be not afraid. And when they lifted, lift, had lifted their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. As they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man, and to the Son of Man, be risen again from the dead. His disciples asked him, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly uh, shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them, of John the Baptist. You can be seated. I turn your attention back to verse number one this morning where the Bible said, after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them into a high mountain apart to pray. As we stepped into the word of God on Monday morning in Mark chapter 5, I told you the Lord, uh, he separated these three men on three separate occasions to do a work in their life that he didn't do in other men's life. And we looked on, uh, uh, we looked on a Monday morning in Mark chapter 5 where he brought them uh, into that little house where Jairus' daughter was dead and Peter, James, and John for the very first time got 
got called out from the rest of the disciples and invited into an arena uh, where the other men got to, that didn't get to go, but they did. And uh, we looked how God brought them closer. And aren't you glad, boy, you said it after he got done and I wrote it down in my notes. I don't want to be satisfied with a close walk. I want to press and strive for a closer walk. And if we're not careful, we'll say, man, we're further than we used to be. And man, that's a good place. But if we ever take the foot off the pedal, friend, we'll never be everything that God intended us to be. I said in Mark chapter number five, he brought them closer and he showed them his sufficiency. And then you could go to Matthew chapter number 26. I thought as Brother Finney preached yesterday and he talked about that surrender in that tent where Abraham laid there by Sarah and he surrendered to the Lord to do what he wanted to do. It was that surrender in that tent that made that sacrifice possible on that mountain. And it was the surrender in the Garden of Gethsemane when the Son of God began to submit himself, a neighbor to the will of God that made the sacrifice on Calvary possible that you and I could be a child of God today. Aren't you glad for the goodness of God? But in the garden, he took them further and he let them see their agony. But this morning, by the help of God, I want to look in Matthew 17. He didn't bring them closer and he didn't take them further. But the Bible said they went up into a high mountain apart to pray. Some years ago, when Miss Amy and I were first getting to know one another, her dad was leading the singing at their little country church and he used to love to sing the song, Lord, plant my feet on high ground. And if the Lord helped me for just a few minutes, I'd ask the Lord if he would take us and put our feet on higher ground. I tell you this, listen, you look in Matthew 17 and some would say this is a preview of the kingdom of God. I would say they missed, missed that just a little bit. It's not a picture of the king, the coming kingdom. A friend, it's a picture of the coming king. Amen. In Matthew, the Bible didn't say that you shall see the coming kingdom, but it said you shall see the son of man coming in his kingdom. I'm not looking for a kingdom, amen? Uh, but I am looking for a king uh, that's going to have a vesture dipped in blood uh, and his name written on his thigh, friend. Uh, I'm looking for the, listen, it wasn't the kingdom uh, that kept me out of hell. Uh, it wasn't the golden streets and it wasn't the tree of life uh, and it wasn't the crystal river. But friend, uh, it was the king who's in the midst of the city uh, uh, seated upon the throne that kept me out of hell. Uh, I believe it's impossible uh, to overemphasize the importance uh, of this transfiguration experience. Uh, it was a pivotal time in the life of the Lord Jesus uh, from the mount of the transfiguration. Uh, he looked back toward the cradle uh, and he looked back toward creation uh, yet he looked forth uh, to the cross and to a crown. Amen. Uh, listen friend, God uh, was about to do a work. I think about just the setting uh, of what is here listed in Matthew uh, uh, 17. You can see the gospel story uh, uh, just in the setting. What are you saying? Uh, well, the Bible said he went up to a high mountain apart to pray. Uh, a pretty good picture of where he was uh, uh, before he came to this world uh, uh, to take up on flesh and become a savior uh, uh, for you and I. I think about that cloud, uh, that cloud that enveloped him, that overshadowing that took place. Uh, uh, what a picture uh, of, listen, the coming down of Lord the Lord.
Lord coming to us. Uh, we just celebrated in December. Uh, uh, people say, well, I don't know if he was born on December 25th. Let me help you. I don't either, amen? Uh, but it's a day that's been set aside uh, uh, where we honor uh, uh, the Lord and celebrate the coming of Christ, amen? Uh, uh, the greatest miracle to ever happen uh, in, in Christianity or this world uh, uh, was when the God of heaven, uh, uh, listen, was incarnated into man's flesh. Uh, it's the greatest thing that ever happened uh, when the finite became, in, or the infinite became finite, uh, and when the intangible became tangible, uh, and when the distant became close. Uh, uh, friend, there's nothing like the incarnation of Christ. I remember a little a teacher gave, uh, they gave a, a, an assignment to some children. They said, draw something that's, uh, that's uh, important to you. And she was walking around the class and, and uh, watching, and she did this little boy's desk, and she said, son, what are you drawing? She said, I'm drawing God. She said, well, honey, nobody knows what God looks like. He said, they will when I get done, praise God, amen. Amen. And may I say that's exactly what happened when he took upon flesh. Uh, uh, you and I would have never known what he looked like, uh, or what he sounded like, how he acted like. Uh, uh, but thank God in that uh, a little manger, they laid him in the uh, manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. Uh, and the love of God beat his heart. Uh, and the wisdom of God ran through his mind. Uh, and the strength of God moved his hands. Uh, thank God for the incarnation of Christ. Amen. On that, Luke tells us that they spoke of his decease. You see his redemptive plan. Then you see his garments became white and as the snow. What's that's what that old that's what that high priest of the Old Testament was. It speaks of our his intercession for you and I today. Are you glad about? Amen, friend. I'm glad. People say, well, these hybrid dispensations say, well. I, I, you just can't find Jesus in the Old Testament. My question is this, did you read it? Amen. How can you make that statement? This is, this is a hymn book. It's better than the church hymnal. It's a hymn book from Genesis to Revelation. It's like he just pulls another piece back as you walk through the pages and God lets us see. I'm going to have to wait till John to know that there was a Savior that had come to the world or that wanted to save mankind. I'm glad there's salvation in Genesis 1, 1, 2, and 3. Amen. Aren't you glad for the plan of God that's revealed through his Bible? Amen. Let's get in the text quickly, number one. I want you to notice a special invitation to the mountain. After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John. Notice these people that were included. Peter, James, you say, why them? I don't know. And you don't either. You say, why? The Bible didn't tell us. Tammy told me one time, Brother Finney, I asked him a question about some a difficult text I studied. He said, hey, Brother Mark. I said, amen, Brother He said, hey, we better learn when the Bible's silent for us to be silent. Pretty good homiletics right there, for hermeneutics right there, amen. I don't know, but can I tell you this, Brother Billy? I'm glad he didn't write it down. 
Because if he'd have put whatever qualified them to go up that mountain, you and I might think, well, we'll never measure up to that. We never could be included in that group. Oh, but just because he said, I took Peter and James and John, why them? Why now? What for? I don't know. Oh, maybe it was for their dedication. Maybe it was for their consecration. Oh, maybe they were like Joshua and Caleb. Oh, they just wanted more. Amen. Oh, well, don't you want to be guilty of just wanting more? Uh, to walk closer, uh, uh, to hear the voice of God like never before. Uh, I got home last night. My, uh, I, we did a, something different this year. I, I printed a book. We, we printed a book for our church family. It's got our ministries and, and it's got our preachers in it and, and, uh, and it's got our missionaries in it and, and our leaders that we pray for. And then there's a, a Bible reading plan that they, can, that they can read every day. And then there's places where they can write in. Uh, where the, what the Lord's saying to them. And then there's a place for preaching notes. My little niece has struggled at times doubting her salvation. And my, my sister-in-law texted me last night. She said, Kate, she said she's reading her. She's re- re- going through her Bible plan. And she said she's concerned that the Lord really hadn't, you know, really spoken to her like she wants him to. And, and uh, she's looking for that direction, the will of God. I said, I said, you tell her, I said, she's doing the will of God. Reading the Bible and getting to know her, getting to know him. I said, said, that is the will of God. I said, I know she's probably looking, she's a young teenager. I said, I know uh, she's heard preaching and she thinks, man, God's going to show me what I'm going to do. And and, uh, I I talk about God giving you a verse. She said, Mama, God's not giving me a verse yet. I told her, I told Miss Amber, my sister-in-law, I said, just tell her to keep reading. She just ain't got to the one he has for her yet. Amen. Oh, aren't you glad? Thank God. I said, listen, uh, uh, what she's doing right Right now is what it's going to take uh, for God to walk off those pages and give her her verse and show her his will. Amen, friend. Uh, I want to get to know him better. Uh, I want to know what makes his heart beat uh, and what breaks his heart. Uh, Peter, James, and John, they saw, they felt, they experienced uh, what others didn't get to experience. Uh, uh, don't you want to be in that crowd? That invitation, that invitation. The people that were included. What about the place that was indicated? It said a high mountain. Think about the people in the Bible that had mountaintop experiences. Abraham had Mount Moriah. Everybody wants to walk with God. Don't nobody want to go up that mountain. Amen. Moses had Sinai. You know what's my one of the biggest things about Moses for me and that story about him going to Sinai? It's not even necessarily Moses. It was Joshua. Joshua just got over there in the mountain, and Moses went up. He said, I think I'll just sit here. And Moses went back, and he said, you going? He said, no, I think I'm just going to sit here. Amen. Can I say to you young people, when you, you see men like Brother McBride and, and Brother Finney, these great men, Dr. Reigns, these great men of God, as it seems like when they hear them preach, they're going up the mountain, and God's writing on the uh, tablets of their heart, and they're, and they're preaching the Word of God to you, and you're wondering, man, can I ever go out there and just be like, uh, just be like Joshua and sit down there uh, on the limits or the, uh, the, 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 the place of the mountain, just hang around long enough, and the same God that's talking to 
them. He's your God too, and he'll speak to you. I mean, friend, there was a place that was indicated. Elijah had Mount Carmel. Jesus had Calvary. The disciples had the Mount of Olives in Acts chapter 1. Aren't you glad some of us that have been saved for just a year or two, a decade or two, uh, that along the way God uh, will pull you out of the fray and pull you out of the valley uh, and pull you out of the burden and pull you out of the duty uh, and set your feet on high ground uh, and let the breezes of another world uh, blow across your soul. It's those seasons uh, that God will give you strength to carry on. Amen. We always lived in the mountain. We wouldn't be worth much. Because the ministry ain't on the mountain. Ministry's in the valley. He takes us to the mountain to put something in us that the ministry's going to take out of us in the valley. Are you listening to purpose intended? Look at your Bible. If you were to go to Luke 9, the parallel part of this text, the Bible said they went up into a mountain to pray. Amen. To have a prayer meeting. If the Lord need to pray, don't you think we need to pray? If he needed to come apart, if he needed to come, one of the most, one, I so look forward to this. You, you may not let me come back next year, but I'm telling you, these years, not, not just having to be the only one preaching, but getting back here to sit and listen to him and listen to him pouring me the first few days of the year. Amen. It's like I pulled up into a loves. Amen. And I got over there, and they put some of that $5 gasoline in me, praise God. Amen. Amen. And it seemed for a few, for just a few days, I'm not having to put out and put out and put out, but somebody's putting something in and putting something. And yes, I read my Bible, and yes, I read, but there's just something preachers need preaching. I need that I need that word delivered in the power of the Holy Ghost. And things that they say to me oh, will carry me through some miles and some misery and some difficulty and some serving God and some tired nights. And if they needed to come apart and Christ needed to come apart, it's that's not a great need in our life. Amen. But we better, we, he's just months away from the crucifixion. Think about it. The weight of what was on the horizon was starting to settle down on his soul. The shadow of, he was, he was standing on one mountain looking to the next one that he would stop on. Amen. We better not ever miss we better not ever underestimate the power of prayer. One writer said the only thing that lies outside the reach of prayer is that which lies outside the will of God. And there's a whole lot in the will of God. Amen. I remember reading this little missionary in Zaire. They were at a mission station and this mother died during childbirth. And man, they tried to do everything they could to to uh, save that infant baby's life, they had a, a makeshift water bottle that they put hot water in trying to keep it warm, but it, it just wouldn't go get the job done. And, and the little missionary got the children together in the orphanage and said, let's pray uh, that God would send us something that would, uh, uh, that would help us to save this child. 
One of the little girls in the orphanage began to pray. She said, oh, God. She said, would you send us a water bottle? And would you send it today? Because tomorrow will be too late. And said, when you, while you're sending that water bottle, he, she said, the little girl was praying. She said, would you put a baby doll in the same box uh, so her, little si- her other sister won't get lonely? Amen. And uh, they said they've all prayed. And later in the day, a package showed up at that orphanage in Zaire. And uh, the, 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 the mistress of the, of the orphanage got all the children together and opened the box. Uh, and Brother Johnson, they began to pull things out of the box. And would you know that there was a brand new water bottle uh, that was in that box? And that little girl that had prayed jumped up and she said, Keep digging. Uh, keep digging, she said, if he sent a water bottle. Uh, surely there's a baby somewhere in that box. And they kept pulling out and pulling out and pulling out. And at the bottom of that box, there was a little baby. I'm telling you, thank God, but here's the blessing. Uh, five months before uh, was the original nation day to that box from England to Zaire. Aren't you glad we've got a God that's got the ability to send the answer before we ever have a problem or before we ever have a need. Aren't you glad? Thank God. Thank God. I'm glad in this hour the God of my forefathers the God that did that for that little orphanage. It's the same one that I lifted my voice to this morning in the motel room. Amen. Amen. Never underestimate that. A special invitation to the mountain number two. What about the supernatural transfiguration of the master? My, wouldn't that have been something to see? Oh, my. Look at the service that was held. They got Peter, James, and John and the Lord. And they're going to church on the Mount of Transfiguration. You say, what happened at this service? Well, according to verse 2, Christ was exalted. He was transfigured, friend. That word transfigured comes with that word metamorphosis, metamorpho. I listen, it means means to change into another form. What happened to the God that day was the same thing that happens to those little caterpillars when they go into that little cocoon and they come out with beautiful wings and colors. I tell you, preacher quoted yesterday that, listen, he said, Beloved, we are now the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear. Uh, what shall we shall be but we know uh, that when he shall appear uh, thank God we shall be like him uh, for the first time uh, since he had been wrapped in flesh uh, brother Tony God let that glory uh, that was with him uh, and in him and what he was in heaven uh, begin to peek through that flesh uh, I tell you what we got to see yesterday uh, a little bit of that glory uh, shine in our darkness uh, and shine in our burden uh, and it wasn't a man that exalted. It wasn't a ministry that it was exalted. It was Christ that was exalted in our midst yesterday. Amen. Amen. And you see his glory. They see his glory and they saw it was God. Christ was exalted in a day of large personality and men building kingdoms. The only thing going to get the job done in this hour is the only thing that's ever got it done. Somebody exalt Christ. Tell us what it's done. It wasn't just Christ was exalted, but their congregation was enlarged. They went to church with four. He ended up with eight. 
You say, eight? I don't see eight. Well, Peter, James, and John, the Lord, Moses, and Elias, God the Father, and God the Holy Ghost. They're all there. Amen. So we went from four to eight. Amen. I wonder if that's what he was doing on top of that Mount of Transfiguration, giving Peter, James, and John a new start. Amen. He said, hey, boys, it ain't going to be long till I get out of here. But I just want you to know it's going to be worth every mile of the trip. Oh, you're going to be beaten and you're going to be jailed and you're going to be persecuted for what you're going to do in my name's sake. But just hold on. Hold on. It's going to be worth it. When you cross the finish line, when I played ball, I mean, it was hard to see in August. Those two-a-day practices, 98 degrees, long before there was ever a heat index. I mean, man, we were sweating our guts out and puking our guts out. Uh, and you didn't think the ever the game was ever going to come. Uh, but thank God on the first Friday night of September, uh, the lights got clicked on uh, and the band was playing. Uh, and I buckled it up for the real amen, friend. Uh, there's coming a day. Uh, you're going to be glad you gutted it out. Uh, you're going to be glad you stayed faithful. Uh, thank God he gave him a new start. He showed him his glory. He showed him his glory. Notice that sermon that was heard. Amen. I don't know how much of this they slept through. These good Baptist men. Amen. You say, well, I wouldn't have slept. Oh, you would have. This is the best he had. Amen. What about the two times, two of the three times they separated them, they went to sleep? Huh? I mean, listen. I don't care if it's old Peter the great preacher that thousands got saved in one day or John who wept with his passion on the breast of the Son of God or James. Goodness, they went to sleep. That just tells me the best can get tired. The best can get weary. But you know, I don't know, Brother Josh, wherever they woke up. But I don't know how much of what they heard. But what they heard was, this is my... Beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Man, I've heard some, man, I've been, been fortunate in my young childhood. Brother Edgar, my, my days with him and Brother Willard and then my years of getting to be on the road. I've got to hear the greatest servants that ever don't shoe leather. Speak, get in a pulpit and open a Bible and thunder the word of God with anointing and authority. Oh, but friend, what was it about? When that cloud came down and them boys were laying there, all of a sudden there was a voice that sort of seemed familiar, but they really wasn't able to put their hands on it. And he said, this is, this is my beloved son. Maybe John the Baptist had told him about it when he was baptizing the son of God, how the voice came out of heaven and the dove came down. Oh, but there ain't nothing like hearing it for yourself. Praise God. Oh, aren't you glad for men that preach to you? Oh, but aren't you glad in the stillness of your study and the stillness of your prayer life and in the stillness of the service it's not the preacher's voice it's not the Sunday school teacher's voice but there's a voice from another world that's embedded deep in your soul and spirit that'll speak to you in that hour this is my beloved son think about it brother Brian if them men woke up and they were hearing the conversation of Jesus with Peter James think about Peter James Peter 
Peter, James, John, you got Moses, Moses, Elias are a picture of all the predecessors, the forerunners that provided for his first coming. Peter, James, and John and their, and their followers were going to be his successors that, that, that prepared this world for his second coming. And they're all there. And what if he heard, what if Peter heard and James heard and John heard him talking to Moses and Elias? I think it had been pretty, pretty, pretty something to hear the present talking to the past about the future. Amen. The present. Talk, he got talking about that exodus. And maybe the Lord got to talking to Moses. Boy, wasn't it something? When you were pinned in there and you were coming out of Egypt and I said, stand still and see the mighty hand of God and you stretched out that rod and the winds rolled back that sea and you brought two million through of the Red Sea. Man, I've been there before to say, man, I just don't, I believe that was a creek. I don't believe God rolled it back. I don't believe that was no big sea. Well, I believe it however you want to. That just means he dried the entire, drowned the entire Egyptian army in a creek. Amen. So either way, there's a miracle. Praise God. Amen. However you want to believe. I believe he rolled it back and they watched. It looked like they were standing in the middle of an aquarium with a wall of water on this side. I don't believe they needed muck boots. I don't believe they needed waders. I believe they could have walked across that land in their white Sunday shoes and wouldn't have got any mud on it. Praise God, friend. Hey, he was talking to him about that exodus. He said, Moses, you thought that was something. Oh, but hold on. You just brought two million out. I'm about to bring out every man, woman, boy, or girl that'll ever put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You thought that was an exodus. Just sit back and watch. Amen. Amen. A message that was preached. Sermon that was heard. What about these saints that were helped? Look at verse 6 through 8. What about that, that he's talking to the prophets and he's talking to the law? He's, man, they would have heard about the, they would have heard about a throne. They'd have heard about a tomb. They'd have heard about Calvary laying there. I mean, I'm talking, grasp that, the present, talking to 4,000 years of past about the near future. But you know what? He didn't get so caught up. He didn't get so caught up that he forgot about Peter, James, and John. Are you listening to me? Notice how they reacted in verse 6. They fell on their face. They were worshiping God. Notice what they received in verse 7. He touched them and he talked to them. Amen. Oh, my. Can you imagine the trembling? They were sore afraid. These are fish, men. These are fishermen. These are hard men. Peter, the hard man. He was sore afraid. He'd been, he'd been in some tight spots before. That glory got to show, and the Lord just walked over and said, Hey, it's going to be all right. And got to talking to him 
Aren't you glad when you get in the midst of the ministry and all that's going on and, and great preachers surrounding you, great talented Christians, and a lot of times I never feel like I, and it's not like Brother Brian said, like, it's not about measuring up, amen. But aren't you glad <laughs> that the same, the same God that speaks to the greatest Christians that have ever known shoe leather will go to a little bus kid on the backside of a trailer park. Amen. That doesn't have a penny and don't have a dollar. And he'll talk to them in their little bedroom and be near to them. What about those times that God has come by? You mean you got one of the greatest preaching daddies oh, that's ever been in these parts, but there's probably been times, Brother Doug, oh, that when he would, you needed something more than his voice. You needed something more than his touch on your shoulder. Oh, but aren't you glad the same God that's in him is the one that came to where you are and gave you that necessary talk and that needed touch to get you down the road. Amen. 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 But then notice who remained. They lifted up their eyes. They saw no man save Jesus only. The reality is tonight, if God doesn't do anything just supernatural, where Brother Doug would say we're going to go on, this meeting is going to come to a close. It's been a special season of the Word of God, the glory of God, the fellowship. I, I, I've just, I tell you, I've drawn strength from just the fellowship. Amen. Talking about these men of God that have impacted our lives. Oh, my. Amen. Can I say this to you? Just in our life, like it happened for them. When they opened their eyes, that glory was gone. When they opened their eyes, the visitors were gone. And when they opened their eyes and opened their ears, that voice that they had just heard say, this is my beloved son, it's gone. But they took them in and looked around. And though the visitors had left, and though the voice had left, and, and uh, though the others, that glory had left, I tell you who was still standing by. Oh, friend, aren't you glad? He said, I'll go with you all the way, uh, even to the end of the earth. Uh, I'm telling you the sense of supreme fact uh, uh, that you and I can rest in as we leave this place this week, uh, that the same God that met with us here uh, will be the same God that will ride with you to Florida tomorrow, ride with me to Georgia tonight. Right with Brother Adam to Georgia today. I'm telling you, thank God he's still there. Uh, hear me and hear me well. Those glorious services uh, uh, can be, man, they can be so powerful in your life uh, and spiritually stimulated to keep you to carry on. Uh, revivals, retreats, camp meetings, special services. I mean, they can change your life forever. Uh, uh, but the truth is, uh, that glory that you experienced in that moment will soon be gone. will soon be gone. Like the sunshine burst onto a dark horizon, that sunshine will soon fade into the sky. And I'm not, I know these services live on in our heart, but you probably won't experience in the same fervency in a year or 10 years that you experienced it in the moment. But the blessed thing is, He'll still be here. He'll still be with you. He'll still speak to you. You know, 
Brother Marvin Wheeler, an old preacher in our area, he used to say this, get all you can, can all you get, because you don't know when you'll need it. And what you'll find, you preachers that are here this morning, you know as well as I do, along the way, God will give you a little oasis to pull up and get a drink. Honey, you better lay down in that hot sand and stick your face in the water and drink as much as you can. Because here's the truth, Brother Josh. We don't know where the next one will be. I'll say again, you say, this make a difference in Peter's life? You better believe it did. Go to First and Second Peter and just underline the word glory. And 40 years after he had this experience, all he was saying was glory, glory. Glory, hey, it wasn't with a fervency it was on that mountain. There was no black, a shining when he was spinning those words. Uh, but buddy, when he took a moment to think about what God was letting him be on, uh, it was glory this and glory that. I remember listening to the uh, sheriff on service the morning you surrendered to go into evangelism. And it was a glorious time, amen. Uh, I mean, man, I've listened, Brother Rudy talking about uh, uh, one afternoon, listening to the afternoon service and shouting her out at home. Uh, I'm those services push you down the road uh, but I'm telling you the same God uh, that was God in the middle of that service uh, will be the same God in the middle of your service amen I read some some time ago back when Eskimos in Canada were starving to death cannibalism had really was really becoming a reality they were starving so the Canadian government commissioned a man by the name of Andy to lead an expedition to bring reindeer across the top of the world to the Eskimos so they would have a source of food. You're talking about hard times. They said that expedition took five years. They said they would have to at times, the reindeer would be spread all across that frozen tundra. Said the storms are so bad that they would dig out holes in the ice to protect them from the weather. After many years and months trying to get there, it, it, it was there in difficult times. And the leader of the, the leader of the pack, oh, Andy, broke his compass. And the people that were following him began to, to wail and complain. We're lost. Your compass is broke. What are we going to do now? He said, the compass may be broke, but you've still got me. And he said, as long as you can see me, you can see home. And that man led him on across the frozen tundra of Canada and delivered the reindeer. Can I say sometimes... We may feel like our compass is broke and it's cold hiding from the storm and maybe I can't see the future but if I can see him, if I just see him, if I can see him, we'll make it home. Number three and I'm done. <coughs> the special invitation of the mountain. Supernatural transfiguration of the master. But look in verse nine. The special preparation for the ministry. Notice what he said, as they came down from the mountain. Listen to me. We've had a wonderful time this week. But let me help you. 
These men had just seen the Lord transfigure before their eyes. You know what they're still waiting? Valleys. Amen. Valleys. You know what was in the valley? Verse 15, 16 says there's a victim in there. A little demon-possessed boy. A desperate dad. And the other disciples that couldn't cast him out. Discouraged boy. Or a discouraged father, demon-possessed boy. And God's let us come in here and get charged. Let us see his glory. Because right outside the door, well, young blood, it won't be long. You'll be going back to Kiana, having that youth camp. You needed to see his glory. You know what? I'm going to go home tonight. Around the corner, next week there's a meeting, the next week there's a meeting, then there's our meeting, and then Brother Robert and I and Brother Adam and Brother Matt, we're going to Burkina Faso, Africa. You know why we need this? Because there's a bunch of victims out there that's looking for somebody that's seen something they ain't never seen. They don't know Jesus can help them. But Peter, James, and John knew Jesus could help them. Amen? They, they, them other disciples didn't see what they saw. But Peter, James, and John did. But outside, here's the thing. If there wasn't any victims, there wasn't any valleys, there wouldn't be no victory. Victory comes from a battle. Amen. And he took them up on that mountain. I remember Years ago, I was playing ball. During the preparation for the season, they would have, they would have sleds that we would put a chained harness on us that had a, had a chain with a little clip on the outside of it, and they would hook that to a metal sled, an individual sled, and they would stack 45-pound weights on it. Now, now, Brother Adam, this is when I was back in shape. Now, Brother Adam's still in shape back there. Shake his hand, put his arm on his bicep, and it feels like a rock in there. Yeah, I remember those days. You want to sing a verse of precious memories? Amen. I'm in shape now. It's just a rounder shape than it used to be. It's shaped. Amen. Amen. Brother Adam, they would hook those to us, and we'd get down in a three-point stance. Coach would blow the whistle, and I would pull that sled for 100 yards. And then we'd turn it around, get back on the end zone line, the other end of the field, they'd blow the whistle. And then we'd go back 100 yards. But you know what, Brother Whittemore? Never one time on a Friday night when I got off that bus and I got ready to walk out there on that field did I ever hear that click behind me. They never did hook me up on a Friday night when it was time. But see, what they had done prior prepared me for what I was going to do that night. And what God took them up on that mountain Prepared them. I wonder when we go to Africa in a few weeks, if them 35 or 40 national pastors we get to preach to, I wonder if they'll look at us and say, this is not prideful. But I wonder if we could do for them what they have done for us and whet our appetite. Then there is more to this thing than just a 
powerless existence. But I wonder if they can look at us when we preach to them and teach to them and fellowship with them that we might have got to go somewhere they hadn't got to go yet. But we can tell them, you can go too if you want to. Amen. Amen. Don't you want that kind of victory? 